All right, we are here with Joe Igneri. Joe was a teammate of Coach Fortunato, who was the last podcast guest. That was episode number 77. Joe was the nose tackle on that football team. He was on the first football that I ever coached, and I was trying to think of a way to describe this guy played nose tackle. I'd almost say like a Tasmanian devil. He was like a fire hydrant in the middle of the field. And I'm so glad if you think about guys you're glad that are on your team and you don't have to play against them, this was the, this was the guy that you want on your team. Joe, how are you doing? Good coach, good coach. Thank you for that. Thank you. So, Joe, I want to start off with the story. You had uh, not trained with advanced training, and then out of nowhere, you decide to come train with us at an outdoor session. We're working with the Prowler, and it was a brutal session. Guys were just passed out, collapsed all over the floor, getting sick. What was the nickname you gave to that Prowler? I called that thing the Predator. And, and what, what was that experience like to you? Like, that was your first day back. Were you expecting it to be that bad? No, no. From what I remember, that was, from what I remember, one of the first times I seen guys literally bent over, throwing up. I think I think a couple guys threw up. I don't remember who was there exactly, but I remember guys just they were bent over. That I mean that that item literally kicked everyone's butt that day, and I was just like, what is that thing? So I I looked at it, and I I don't know. I just popped in my head. I'm like, that thing's the predator. <laughs> And I believe that day you had come with Ryan Reyes and uh, you had brought a kid. You actually brought a kid who was playing football at Albany to train with me. And that was the only day that kid came. But then you and Ryan, Ryan Reyes stuck it out. I wonder, I wonder who that, that might've been Tremaine. Maybe yeah. Tremaine. I, who it was. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We, you know, I was big into the touch tackle. So I think that got me when I was getting all the guys together and getting that touch tackle team going. I think that's what triggered us to maybe start working out again. If I remember yeah, because Reyes, Reyes got back into it for a while, too. And the Heatles brothers, I think, ended up. But I know Eric was with you at college. Yep. You had a stacked, duded up, advanced training flag football team, right? Oh, man. That was, that was a – that team kicked butt, man. That was some team. We had kids from every – it seemed like every high school, every college. I mean, there was just dudes everywhere. And I think that a video clip of Ryan Reyes at the end of the play made him transform his whole life, right? He saw it, thought he was overweight, and then he became like this uh, fitness model. Yes, yes, that was uh, he was number fifty four. I could I could see it now. He was uh, we won the championship. I think we had the purple jerseys that year, and he just looked like a monster. And then that was it, man. He turned the switch, got a six pack and everything. That guy. And for those that don't know, uh, Ryan Reyes has actually broken the advanced training PowerPoint system. He is a one point three three nine. No one is even close. He actually just broke the whole system, so we we almost had to throw it out. So shout out to you, Ryan Reyes. <laughs> so Ignary, let I want to get back to your story. Uh, you hadn't trained in a while. What made you come out of retirement? Was it just because of the flag football team, or did you need something different in your life at that point? I thought about it, and I and I think at the time, I think you know, be, me being a lot closer with Ryan and and some of the younger guys that were probably you know more college athletes than the flag football, and it just triggered. I think my brother got involved too, and I guess it was just being around the younger guys, if I remember, that really, you know, because you know me, I love being in the gym with the guys. I had no motivation at that point. And I was just working, you know, so you go to the gym by yourself and it was like, you know, nothing like being in the gym with, a, you know, a bunch of the guys. So that's probably just what it was. Yeah, and and the, the guys that we train now, they call your era of advanced training like the golden era. You know, we had the Heatles brothers. We had Chris. We had both the Reyes brothers. And then we had our, our normal traditional advanced training guys coming back from college, Blanco, Morano, Amorosi. It was just a crazed time. And I, I just felt like you and your brother brought this whole element of just intensity into the gym, just constantly screaming at people, constantly challenging. Yeah. 
my brother definitely took after me after that. I say, you know, I, he likes to talk too. I love that. And there's nothing like, you know, coming into the gym and just yelling at, yelling at everybody, getting everybody fired up. Yeah, Chris would only refer to himself as a savage. I loved it. <laughs> so you, you did some pretty cool stuff in our gym. Uh, you benched 400 pounds, well, 395 to be exact, which is pretty sick. You beat Billy Blanco in a, in a bench off. I think you guys did 270. You did 14 reps. He did 13, and Blanco was our bench press legend. And for yes. a guy, your stature, you knocked out nine pull-ups, which is not easy. You know, you're not a – you're not no. a 130-pound guy. You're a nose tackle. So for you, what was your biggest biggest accomplishment at advanced training? You know, I would say, I would say honestly, the nine pull-ups. I mean, the bench press competition with Billy was great. You know, it was a great memory. I always, you know, there, there's days where I'll, I'll show some guys at work, hey, look what I used to do, you know, and I'll pop on that video, and it's great. You know, the ending with the whole we showed up slogan, you know, I love that. That was, that was a great memory, and I love Billy for that. But uh, the nine pull-ups, because I don't think I'm ever doing that again. You know, that takes that took a lot of, you know, you got to build that up. That doesn't just happen overnight. I, I think if I went to a gym and just threw three, you know, three plates on the bar, I might get it up. But nine pull-ups, that's not happening. So I looked at your data. You started at a whopping zero. So, yeah, you started at zero and got yourself to nine. Yeah, that was, that, that, that was definitely incredible. Uh, I Like I said, I remember building up. Like, I did three. And all of a sudden, you know, maybe a month it took to build up another two, three. And I was like, oh, my God, I might get double digits. But I never did it. What's maybe great. That'll be a new goal. That, that video that you have with the, the bench press of you versus Blanco. What's great is that you're going against Blanco. He's spotting you. And he is like a wild man cheering you on to get your reps. And it's, that's the competitive nature of what we were looking at. And then you said right at the end, there's a, a we showed up. Now, what does that mean? I know to- Fortunato talked about uh, they don't know. W- what does we showed up mean? We showed up is probably one of my favorite uh, favorite slogans from the Manos era, and it's just I know me and Trunzo we had some great great times, and I, I when I hear we showed up I think of Trunzo a lot. I just think we showed up is more you, you get doubted, people doubt you, and it's like you know what we showed up we're here, you know kind of like when I was listening to the Forge podcast, you know it just relates to everything in life, you know St. Anthony's like you know how you guys built that program up from the ground up. And it's like, we showed up, we're here. And even just working out every day, just showing up, just showing up, going to work every day, showing up. That, that, that's definitely my top, uh, one of my top Manos quotes. We showed up. I, I love it, man. I love, you know, I, I remember his messaging, messaging to the kids was just, just show up. We'll t- the coaches will take care of the rest. You just got to show up. Yep. I think in life, the hardest thing sometimes is just getting it, just get to the gym. You know, just get to that conference. Just get to that class. It's, it's, if you get there, you'll be okay. Just take it. It's so true. It really is so true. I mean, you say it with work. You say it with, like you said, with meetings, with work, with working out, going for a run. Just get out there and start. And then once you show up and once you go, you're like, why wasn't I doing this the whole time? So one thing I think you probably didn't know, because this is the way you are in the gym, and I'm sure you, the way you are on a football field, you make everybody around better. There was a time where you and I were training together in the morning sessions, you and my bench press partner, and I hit my highest bench of my life training with you. And I only attribute it to the way you were pushing me as we were benching. I think I hit like maybe a 290 by 7 or 290 by 8. I'll go back and look at the numbers. But I'm th- I thought in my head the, the only reason I got this is because you were pushing me while we were, we were doing like a 5-3-1 program. We had to max out of reps of your last set of the day, and uh, you just got in my head. You, you got <laughs> I was going, so I still thank you for that. No problem, man. That's awesome. I didn't know that, so that's cool. 
That's a big win. All right, so we're going to get to some football stuff. Uh, let me go. I, I want to go back to your personality on the field. I said in the last podcast with Fortunato, you and Castellano were guys that I, I just thought could snap at any moment. But for whatever reason, you guys were super loyal football players. But I knew what you were like not on the football field. And I knew what you were like to non-coaches. What made you such a loyal player, but at the same time, such a maniac on the field? You know, I, when I heard that, I thought about it. And I said, you know, there was always, and I never told you, <clears throat> but there was definitely something about you that gave me uh, a calming uh, sense where I didn't want to just like literally just go all out where I knew I could get to that level of craziness, but it was almost like I didn't want to disappoint you because the way you had carried yourself, you were always respectful. You were always in control. You didn't, you were the opposite of me in terms of your, your attitude. And that kind of balanced me out to not go over the top. And I think that I, I guess that when I thought about it, that's that's the only thing that I could say that kept me in check somewhat is if you have. But if you ever set the dogs out, so to speak, and just let me go. Yeah, I probably career probably would have been a little shorter. And I, I'm thinking you know, back to exactly when I felt like I bonded with you as a player. It was your JV year. You guys had just gotten we got out of camp and we decided to put in that tough package. And we were talking about all the formation adjustments against tough and here you are, the nose tackle, whose job is basically to own both A-gaps. And you were asking as many questions as, like, a, you know, a, a free safety would ask who had to adjust to every package. And I was like, I love this kid. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's got to cover both A-gaps, and now he cares about the rest of the defense. Yeah, I, I loved it, man. It was – it's definitely when you when you think back on it. I mean, I, what, what made me th- – when I heard you talking to Fortune, I, and it's really true, you want to take, try to appreciate those moments because you don't appreciate them in the moment. But when you look back, you're like, wow, even the meetings were great. I, I just everything about those four years are just just great. So I, I want to talk about the other bond that we had uh, more Catholic. game. It's the only time that I've never had a penalty thrown on me as a coach ever. I've never had anything done except that game. I was actually thrown out of the game as a coach. And there was a there was a brawl. I don't know if it was a bench clearing brawl. The only thing I know is, is that uh, I, I tackled you and stopped you from going on the field. That's it. And for whatever yes. reason, I was thrown out of the game for tackling my own guy and stopping him from getting into this melee. So what, what's your vantage point? What's your perspective of this whole rivalry with Moore? And what made you lose it at that moment? I mean, the Moore was that, was, that was pretty intense. I mean, that was just, it was so amped up that game. And I, I'll never forget it. You know, that field was small. It felt like the fans were like on the field. I remember, and it could be exaggerated, but I remember there was even cops there. Maybe it was only a couple, but I remember them being there on the sidelines for whatever reason. It was just a very intense, intense, intense uh, a game. And when Joe, of course, the classic, uh, you know, even the Staten Island 76 cameras were there. And I remember when Joe Castellano, you know, pushed Dasher into the fence after he taunted on a touchdown. I don't know if I was on the sidelines or if I was just the nose guard, so I was way back because he broke out a long run. And I just remember trying to make a beeline for that corner of the end zone. And then you just took me out. And then I remember you sent, I, I'm pretty sure you summoned Coach Ross onto me. You know, rest in peace, Coach Ross. And, and, and you summoned him on me. And that was it. I couldn't break out from the two of you. And we, we didn't, I don't think we did a bench clearing on that, which, was, which amazes me that the benches didn't clear. But yes, you definitely speared me. And then, and then I remember Ross just, I was like, a, you guys would not let me go. And I, I remember in the moment, I felt like you were a guy, you were the guy I had to hold back because I felt like if you got onto that field, 
too many guys would follow you and this would have become an uncontrollable situation. So I was like, let me take out the focal point and, <laughs> and maybe calm this thing down. Yeah, looking back on it, I mean, it's it's just wild that, you know, it, it should have been about football, I guess. But that game had a lot of a lot of emotions. It was off the field. And I guess just just everything that was that was that was very intense, man. That was some rivalry for, for a bunch of high school kids. So w- there was another team that we had issues with. I think we we had a couple of uh, I, I don't know if they were bench clearing brawls, but it's Iona prep. So what happened with them? Well, Iona prep, that's that that's a memory that. It's very clear in my mind. I remember that one. And uh, if you remember Coach Chick, rest in peace, Coach Chick, he had the uh, the picture, that classic picture. Manos was in it. I was in it. And you saw my legs sticking out and that big, huge pile up in the end zone. Um, what I remember is that's the first – I don't know if you remember this, but the way I remember it, that was the first ever time where you had said to – and I don't know if you said it to me and Castellan directly or you addressed the defense – and you said nobody dances on our field. Nobody taunts us on our field. They had broke the game open. I think they won the game 20-7. to seven. They were in control with like two minutes left, but they scored an, an unnecessary touchdown. Then they were going for the two-point conversion. So I remember the two-point conversion. You had – I'm pretty sure you had talked to us right before the two-point conversion. And it was the first time ever where I, I felt like you gave me the green light to, to cause some havoc. I, that's how I remember it. I don't know if that's what happened, but that's how I remember it. And uh, it was a toss left, and I'm the nose guard. And this particular wide receiver that scored and was hopping around the field was on the right side of the field with Joe Castellano on that side. And I remember the ball snapped, and it's toss left, and I make a beeline right. I didn't even engage the center. I went right for this guy. I hung him on my arm. It went down to the, you know, all of a sudden a big melee ensues. There had to be... 50 guys in the pile up and I remember the one guy who pulls me off I get pulled off the pile after a couple of minutes of giving him the business and it's Father Riley and I was like oh god I'm in trouble but I don't think anyone got thrown out of that game particularly I think they just kind of ended the game I, I don't think anyone got thrown out because it was so late in the game if I remember they they I don't I don't believe so I, it was very different times you know it was di- I'm not saying that uh th- those things were condoned back then but if that happened now you'd probably be thrown out of the league Oh yeah. I'd also say from my standpoint, as you mentioned, I'm a calm guy. I was really not giving you guys the green light. (laughs) After that game, I went home and said, I really need to think about what I tell these guys because you guys were like Michael Jordan in a way where you took, you were looking for people to offend you. You know, even during during practice, when your JV team used to practice with the varsity, if any varsity player hit one of your guys late, it was a, a bench clearing brawl at practice. So, that's so funny. That's true. And now you just you just brought back memories right there with that statement. Yep. That's that's where we had a yeah. lot of battles with Varsity. And I, I had a I was like, I need to be really careful what I tell these guys because they take it too literally and they're almost looking for an excuse to beat people up. And I, I believe what the kid did was he said that's a wrap. I think Castellano came to the bench so mad yes. that that yes. now they, they were a high powered team. They were scoring, I don't know, 40 points a game. I think we, like you said, I think the end of the game was probably 21 to 7. And did you get a pick on a screenplay? No. No, that was Ollie, though. You're right. Ollie did. And we, we just remember us doing a really good job against their screen game that game. And I just think frustration led to it because we were frustrating them. We were stopping the things they wanted to do, even though they scored yeah. 21 points. But we cut their points in half. And we were frustrated because we were so close. But they just took they took the game at the very last minute. Yeah, and I think they were rubbing it in a little bit, and that's that's kind of what, 
you know, just set it off and that was it. We were frustrated. They, 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 you know, they were trying to rub it in and I bet you that kid still remembers that day. So who, who would you consider to be your biggest high school rivalry? I would go with more. I mean, definitely more Catholic. I mean, it was the two small schools, you know, it, we, ne- we never dealt with Farrell. Remember, we, you know, of course, you know, we started from the ground up. We were the foundation. So we didn't even think about Farrell, St. Anthony's and all, and all the bigger schools that came later on. But it was more. There were, there were some personal things that I remember with a couple of the players. You know, things got ugly, man. There was baseball games. There was basketball riots. I mean, it was just – it was nuts. We, we were year-round 24-7. Thank God we never hung out in the same areas because those kids, I think they were more – on the west side of Staten Island, they didn't really live where we lived. Um, and because if we would have seen each other out, it, I'm, I'm sure the, the rivalry would have continued outside, but it never did actually. And who, like, what was a game you wish you could have taken back or changed something out of in your high school career? Yeah, I thought about that one. And I, it had to be, as much as I hate to admit it, if you remember, of course, we, Dasher and the high powered offense came out in that spread out of nowhere. Unbelievable. I mean, they could write a story about how they came out with that, right? Yep. And they came out in that spread offense, and we put them three and out. But me, Ollie, and a couple, maybe even one other defensive player met Dasha uh, after he released the ball. I think he, I think it was an incomplete pass on the first three and out. And I used his helmet to get up. You know, I pushed his helmet down to get up. I and I swear, I really, didn't, I've I've done a lot worse. I've done a lot worse, but. I used his face mask to kind of push myself up. The ref was right there, gave us 15 yards, and I think they scored. You know, they end up scoring on that possession, and that that hurt me a little bit. That that because you know who knows maybe maybe things would have turned out different. I don't know, but that that one that one burns a little bit. Yeah, and I'm not throwing salt in your wounds, but if you remember, they were a triple option veer style offense. They were killing everyone, like literally killing everyone the whole season. They come up against us. Uh, I I kind of scout them a little and noticed that they were starting to show something that wasn't that Veer style offense. So we put in that tough package where we were going to adjust to what they did. They came out in the, the double wing. They shift yep. the, and we're good. We're, we we get them three and out. We're good. And you're all right. We you you got that uh, personal foul. They gave them 15 yards. And yep, they did score. But and I saw Dasha at a wedding, maybe 10 years later. And I said, Why did you guys do that? And he said, we knew we couldn't run on you. You really think we're going to try and run the ball against you guys? And I took that as a massive compliment because they were scoring 50 points a game on everybody at will. So it meant a lot to me that he did that. But, that man, that was a tough game, especially because I watched the second half uh, in the parking lot with Joe and Matt Castellano. Oh, God, what a, what a that, that was painful, man. That was so painful, that game. What a shame. So let, let's talk about your high school career. Uh, you are the reason. I'm, I love Halloween probably more than anyone. Coach Clark thinks I love it to a, an unhealthy degree. But uh, I will tell our players to not go out on Halloween night. And you're the reason why. So can you explain what happened to you on Halloween night or maybe it was the night before Halloween? Yes. Yeah, I'll give you the full story. So it all started with uh, I used to take I used to live in the Tyson's apartments and I was waiting for the bus to go to school. And Joe Velez, shout out Joe Velez and Paul Rosenberg, they were seniors and they were driving. I was a sophomore. Well, they might have been juniors, but they're driving into uh, school. So they offered to pick me up. I hop in the car. They tell me that they're going to cut school. They decided they're going to cut school. And they wanted to go get Halloween costumes or, you know, masks, whatever, for for Halloween night. So the long story short is my mom ended up catching me because you had to call in and call home. And I left. That's when we used answering machines back in the day. 
And uh, I had left like a blank answer machine message and my mom caught on to me. So when I got home, I pretended to come home from school and she had said to me, you know, Coach Mantle's called. You can't play this weekend. You were out of school today. And I was like, no, what are you talking? And long story short, I was punished for Halloween, which killed me because I wanted to go out on Halloween. I wanted to hang out with all the girls. So my mom went out for the night and I stayed home with Ryan Sullivan. And we were home. And around 730, the guys had got in touch with me and they were like, you got to come to Lou Messina's house. You got to come. You got to come. We're all here. I begged my mom and she gave in. She came and picked up me and Ryan Sullivan around 7.30 and took me out to Lumasina's house. Well, when I got there, I didn't know that there was going to be eggs and shaving cream involved. And unfortunately, Frank Sicleri, rest in peace, and uh, Rob Bonanno, they were throwing eggs at cars down an alleyway off McGuire, uh, McGuire over there. And the first car they pegged, I was there for about 20 minutes. I didn't even have an egg in my hand. The first car they pegged with an egg, came screaming down that alleyway after us and I took off and if anyone who knows me back freshman sophomore year I could fly so I was flying down that alleyway and I jumped down about four steps and when I landed my left knee was totally dislocated Willis McGahee style out the back of my leg uh ended up tearing my ACL completely my PCL completely and my LCL completely and uh that was that was pretty pretty crazy man changed my life forever and uh I, that's why I know Manos changes the story up, but that's that's the full story of what happened that night. What uh, because yeah, the story that I had heard, I thought that you were actually out throwing eggs. I had no idea that you were even just a an innocent, or maybe not so innocent. You shouldn't be in a bad spot around people doing stuff they shouldn't be doing. And I'm young, yes. dumb, young dumb kids. You guys were like 15 years old. Yep. you've all matured into great men since that point. But uh, yeah, so I, I I thought that you were a guy throwing eggs yourself. So no. can we take a backtrack for a second? You had mentioned yeah. that you used to be fast. Were you ever playing around with running back in your freshman and sophomore year? Yeah, freshman year. If you remember, I, I, I had a couple of carries, actually. Uh, you know, we had Ollie, which was, who was amazing. We had South Rack Evento. But um, my freshman year, I had a couple of carries. I remember Xavier out in Brooklyn. I think it was my first carry. And I went 65 yards, but I got, I got tripped up at like the five-yard line. But I remember we, we were on our own 40 around there. I crossed midfield. I, I, broke, I broke out and almost scored my only touchdown. But I, I, got caught, I got caught in the end. But, yeah, that's one regret I have, the way I, uh, I should have took – you know, I didn't know. I was a young kid. I, you know, you think you got the world figured out. But had I kept my, myself in better shape and that knee injury didn't happen, I wish I wasn't running back. That would have been great. So what, what was the rehab like? like? What was the recovery process like? It's kind of it's it was it was intense when I look back on it. I think the surgeries have changed so much since then. But at the time that I had my surgery, the um, the first doctor I met, I'll leave out his name. When he they they relocated my knee in the um, in the emergency room, obviously. So a couple of weeks went by, and I had to go see an orthopedic. And when he saw my MRI and my X-rays, he basically told me, you know, you're never gonna walk without a limp. It's a good chance you'll have a limp. You can forget about sports. You know, he kind of really gave me the business and really laid it out there in a negative way. And when he left the room, I cried. And I told my mom, I said, I don't want this doctor to, to touch me. We need another doctor. And that's where the story gets kind of cool is my mom had talked to um, one of my classmates at C, and they knew Dr. Sherman. 
Dr. Sherman opened up the office for me on a weekend, just him. He came in, he saw me, and he, grabbed, and he looked at me, and he said, Joe, we're going to fix this knee. We're going to get you back on the field. I can't tell you when, but, you know, we're going to get you back. And I said, this is my guy, and I love him to this day. I actually still keep in touch with him here and there, Dr. Sherman. Um, and he, it was two surgeries. The first surgery was, didn't work. It was a suture. They tried to suture back two ligaments, the LCL and the PCL. And then they were going to do a cadaver on the uh, ACL. But that surgery failed. So my second major surgery was in my junior year. And they took a, a cadaver's Achilles tendon. And they cut it into three pieces and basically drilled holes all over my knee and tied back an ACL, an LCL, and a PCL. And tied it all back with, you know, makeshift parts. And did you and have- I ended up playing my senior year. Did you had to miss your whole junior year? Yeah, my whole junior year, I didn't play. I didn't play. I did uh, home study. That was a big thing for me, too. It helped me actually pass, you know, through C, was I took all my regents at home. I, I was uh, half the semester of sophomore year and half the semester of junior year. I was home. I was bedridden. After that second surgery was intense, and all the guys, I remember, they would come visit me. Rossiello, I'll never forget. He, he had to help my mom give me a shower once, maybe twice, because it was hard to get me out of the bed because I had the full cast from my hip down to my toes it was the the bag was on there draining the blood out it was pretty it was a pretty it was a pretty crazy time when I think back on it I'm like wow that that was a lot I had to learn I mean I I say learn but you know you had to get back to basically my knee was locked out you know so I had to get it all the way bent back down and stretch it out like like rubber bands it was it was pretty uh crazy rehab so you you have three sons now uh that they're they're, yeah. they're playing sports if I or maybe I said uh, hey, man, I want you to come back and talk to our high school football team. Either, either of those scenarios, what are you saying? What message can you deliver? What did you learn from that experience? Well, definitely every little decision you make in your life, you never know where that's going to lead you. Meaning, had I not been punished, had I not cut school, had that guy missed the red light. It's just amazing how the universe, how everything lines up and everything happens. And, and that one little moment can change you forever. So when you're with your friends and you think it's no big deal and you're young and you think you're, you know, unstoppable, you got to really think about what you're doing. And, and, and when it's negative with your friends, you really got to understand that, especially in this day and age with the social media and all that. You really got to be careful what you do, even at a young age, because it could change your life forever. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like your, your crew, you had tough times. I said at the Fortunato, but even a, a situation like that, I felt like it. You know, in weird ways, it bonded you guys. You came back. You had a, a rough time. You had that. I think you had a knee brace on. You're running uh, four quarters after practice, trying to run it with this knee brace. Yeah. Guys rallied around you, I think, because people were all in that situation with you when it happened. Some people probably have regret that they were there or attributed to it. I think it's kind of helped a lot of people for the better in a weird way. And thank God nobody got hurt from uh, the egg that you threw or that not you threw, somebody else threw. Right, right. Thank God. It was- no, we definitely we definitely bonded from it. I remember you guys. I think you, you were coaching when you guys beat St. John the Baptist. Didn't you beat St. John the Baptist in, in a playoff game maybe or a championship? I think it was a playoff game. Yeah. And you guys called me and I was in my hospital bed. And you guys did the what, you know, the game time chant, I think, before the game with me on speakerphone. <laughs> you know, and I was just in my bed. I, I get chills now thinking about it. That was kind of cool as a 15-year-old kid, you know. Your team's calling you up and you're laid up in a bed. 
and you know, that, that, I remember that. See, that, those things stick with you forever. So I, I usually ask people what advice they would give to their 15 year old self. Is is this tied into that advice, or is there other advice you would give your 15 year old self? 15 year old self, Joe Gnary. Oh God, we would need a three hour podcast. But no, I, I yeah, I would I would say that that's you know just and the one thing too I thought about with that is appreciate everything, take it all in. You know, do you know what we talk about all the time? We would we would kill to have a day at camp. Forget about a game. Forget the game. I want to just go meet up at a, at a, at a campsite out in Pennsylvania somewhere with, with 50 guys and all have cabins. And could you imagine how much of a blast we'd have now as adults being able to appreciate it? I feel like as kids, it's, it's for whatever reason, it's hard to appreciate things because you don't know what, what real life is going to feel like. And so I would, I would always tell kids just appreciate that moment. It's it, no matter what you're going through as a high school football player, it's a blessing. You know, it's a blessing that you're, you're playing, you're healthy, you're young, enjoy it. I'm trying to figure out a way, and I've been coaching for over 20 years now, to how do you get a kid to understand it? Because I know when people told me that, they're like, this is fun. I'm like, I want to get out of camp. It's miserable. Oh, this is great. Oh, man, this season is too long. My body's beaten up. I never listened. But then now I'm coaching and I'm telling kids, and now I'm saying, I know you're not going to listen. But this is really the best part of your life. Like, do you, do you even think you have a way that you can get this into a kid's head or is it just impossible? You know, I would have to say, I, I think it's impossible, but I think what I would do is what I would say to that is kind of etch in your knowing that you're building the memory. They don't know it yet. So I would change your viewpoint on that. What I would do is just know for yourself that you're making that memory, even though that kid's not going to appreciate it till he's 21 and which is still young, 25, 27 know that when you're yelling at a guy to finish out that sprint and he's going to remember, he's not going to appreciate it then and now. But I think the overall lesson is that guys like me who didn't appreciate it now appreciate it as an adult. So I think it's still mission accomplished when you build those memories with the kids, you know, and that's why coaching must be a, a very fulfilling thing because, you know, you got me a grown man. I haven't talked to you in a while. And meanwhile, I think about you on a daily basis with random stuff, you know, you know, random things in my daily life. And there's probably hundreds of kids like that, that, that think that about you. Well, one, that means a lot. And two, that was like a massive knowledge bomb. You just dropped on me. I'd never thought about it that way that where, well, but maybe I am I'm right now creating a lasting memory in this kid's head. Maybe he doesn't need to understand it, but 10 years from now, he's going to appreciate what's going on. Maybe that makes yeah. him feel better about, you know, a kid looking out the window during film session. Like, why is That's how get- I would look at it. Definitely. Yes. <laughs> He'll get it. He'll get it. So- <laughs> When you think about St. Joseph by the Sea football and you think of the word success, who comes to mind? Is there a particular player or a teammate you had that's the most successful person I've, I've been around or know of? If I had to go with a player, let's think. I mean, there's so many great kids, man. There's so many. If you remember me and Trunzo stuck around and we, for a few years and we were cheering on the younger guys. Uh, it's tough to say uh, success-wise. Uh, let me think. Oh, wow. You got me on this one. Um, I mean, I, I think about guys like Dave Wilkie, Army Ranger. Yep. Joe Castellano, Army Ranger. You know, then you got guys like John Fortunato. Like, there's, there's just a, a lot of guys that, you know, doing civil servants, you know, serving their country. There, there's a lot of success stories there. That's a tough one, though. Yeah, there's a lot to pick from. And I, I just, I like the way your, your angle's thinking about it. It's not, oh, this guy, uh, ran for 5,000 yards. It's essentially, what did they do 
off the field or how hard was their journey to become the man they are. So I, I love your perspective on it. Thank you. So what, what is something, you know, you're an older guy now. You were a little bit wild when you were a player. What's something you know about football now that you used to think, that now you think it's true, but you used to think it was false? Or the other way around. You thought something was true, and now you know it's false. Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I would say, just in the sole football perspective, I feel like it's an easy answer, but the, the wins and losses. We just talked for an hour or so about football, and I don't think wins and losses really mattered as much as the memories. So I, it's, it's a cliche thing with the wins and losses, but I would say that. I would say that, you know, the success is not really measured on the field. It's the relationships that you build. You know, my relationship with you, like I said, I, I haven't talked to you in, let's say, a couple of years, but no one can ever replace the years we had and, and that relationship that's always there. You know, same thing with Manos or any other coaches and players, obviously. And then you, then you got the players that you're, you know, the guys I played with, I'll never forget any of them. You know, I remember them, you know, all of them. And it, I think that's the thing is that you think it matters, you know, how much do I bench? How much do I, you know, uh, how many touchdowns do I score? Especially now I heard with these kids, you know, they're all worried about their stats. Luckily, we, I don't think we were ever concerned about that. But um, I would say that, that it's more about relationships than, than stats. So you're a parent, you have three kids. Uh, do you have that mindset when you're watching your kids or the parents around you, or are they just looking for playing time or the wins and the losses? Do they even care about the camaraderie or the life lessons? Well, for me personally, I, I, I helped out coach a couple of sports so far with my son. My youngest, my oldest is six. So the, the little guys, my four-year-old was supposed to start this year, but with everything going on, he hasn't. But I have coached over the last couple of years some teams with, 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 my, uh, with my oldest, and I think what for personally as a coach, what I enjoy doing is I have some kind of uh, I get some kind of satisfaction at taking the weakest kid or the kid that's the shyest or the little guy that doesn't want to play and getting him into it, motivating him to just play, just to have fun. I'm definitely a big, hey, come out here and enjoy it. The rest will come as, as we practice kind of guy. As far as the as far as my son personally, like as the parent experience. I have to admit, my little guy Jojo. For all the guys listening, they they know he's kind of like a freak. Um, he just loves to compete, man. He's got for a six. You, I've never seen a six year old with the the type of determination and and the focus that he has when he wrestles and plays football. And he's a very serious player. He's the opposite of me in terms of that. He's all about just head down. He reminds me of like a Teddy Kohesi, like just head down. He's gonna do his job. He's gonna and he's just a freak athlete. So I think, and I do enjoy watching him compete. Do I want to see him win and do good? Of course. But I do like just seeing him compete, I think, and, and seeing him be challenged. I do, I, I do enjoy that. And he just won a state championship, right, in uh, New Jersey? Yeah, the Central Jersey Youth Wrestling League. Uh, that was, that was, had tears in my eyes when I videoed that. That was, that was incredible. He, he's a kindergartner. And we had just joined him up for wrestling. And the coach had come up to me after a couple practices and said, hey, we want to put him up with the, with the team. And the way wrestling works, I'm totally new to wrestling. One regret I have is not wrestling when I was a kid because now I'm totally loving the sport. Is uh, It's kindergarten through sixth grade, and it goes by weight. So most of the wrestlers are, are at least in the 53-pound range, which, which is what he wrestled at, around second, third grade. So he wrestled the whole year 
against second and third graders. So when the time was for the tournament, the, the championship tournament, he represented our town as the 53-pounder, but he was a kindergartner. So I had no expectations. I really was like, you know, I just want him to go in there. He had a good year, but I didn't think he would be able to, to pull it off. And he beat three third graders in a row. And for, <laughs> when you're a kid, to that one grade level, you know, like, it's a huge difference. Yeah. And it was people, – people couldn't believe it. You know, it, it was really a, a, as a dad, it was very proud. But for him, he's so humble. I, I got to send you the video. He's so humble. He just shook the kid's hand and walked away. He was very happy, but he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, flaunt it. He's, he's, he's a special kid. Are you going to keep him locked in the house on Halloween night? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's not, yeah. He's going to be under, under a bench press bra somewhere or under a pull-up bar. <laughs> so ch- changing gears a little bit, you were, you were requested to be on this podcast. I don't know, maybe a year ago, people asked, they said they want to hear Joe Ignary's story. We wrote up the questions, we were into it. And then you said, you know what? I'm not ready. I got cold feet. What made you decide to actually come back and do this? I have to admit, it's my buddy Forge. Um, hearing Forge, it, it just, I got chills throughout the whole podcast. Hearing you guys talk about the old times, you know, it's, it's how do you not want to talk about the old times? Because it, it makes you reminisce. It put me in a good mood. And, and I didn't want to do it because I just felt funny. I didn't, I don't know. I don't want to, I'm humble, I guess. I don't want to, I don't like talking about myself in that aspect, but. So I, I didn't want to do it at first, but then when I heard John, it sounded great. And, you know, get, you share those memories and I said, heck it, let's just do it. So you're, you're hitting on two things here for me personally. One is I've heard from a few people. They're not ready to talk uh, that they, they love to hear, but they don't like to talk. And for me, this is this has been a great forum because it gets me in a position to talk to you again. Right. Talk to Fortunato again. Talk to guys yeah. necessarily talk to. But hopefully guys are eavesdropping in on the conversation that you and I are having. And maybe like coach Fort said, he said, I hope that I inspired at least one other person to come on the podcast and bang. It's you. Maybe you're inspiring two other guys. Cause I would just love for the world to hear so many other people's stories. So thank you for coming back on And You got an incredible story. No problem. Did you do Billy Blanco yet? Not yet. Not yet. I'm calling him out again. <laughs> Billy Blanco, you've been called out, man. Let's go. I love that kid. I mean, we were never close, but I, there's just something. You know, you ever meet somebody, you just you look him in the eye. I, that guy, there's something about him. He's a special kid. I, I like that kid. Well, you guys have a, a lot of similar. First of all, same position. You know, you're making a football team. You, you guys are like draft picks. You pick immediately to get and be the anchor of your defense. So you guys have some good connections. Yeah, he's a great pick. I, lo- I love both you guys. Uh, thing number two was you talked about, man, could we go back and go to camp? You know, I know Manos had talked about this on his podcast. Imagine if we went to camp. And one thing I would say about the current state of advanced training, we don't have many, if any. Right now we have zero college football players. This, this whole thing was designed for college football players. Now we have guys that used to do this stuff, and now they're just doing it, to, in my mind, to get that feeling back. You know, we're just trying to get that. We did a workout this morning that reminded me more when I was in football camp. And it was awful, but it made me get that feeling of being alive back. And that's why guys are doing it. So, you know, I, you know, you can't put on the equipment anymore, but find a way, man. Find a way to get the crew back together and just train hard. And I don't know if you know, but last Thanksgiving we had, I don't know, about 25, 30 guys get back together for this tough man. If you can make it back in next Thanksgiving, we're allowed to be around each other. Let's do it, man. Let's do it. Yeah, I saw a picture. I, so one of the guy, I think uh, it might have been Billy and his crew uploaded a picture pretty recently. I've been off social media lately, but I, I thought I saw something with them and they worked out. And I said, how great is that? Just the old crew getting back together and just 
just having at it in a park with a with a few weights. I mean, that that really is cool. That, that's good that they do that. We we can't hit anybody anymore, so it's like the one of the legal things you can do and torture. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Get out the predator on social media. All right, uh, three last questions for you. These are going back to advanced training. If you okay. could anyone all time to be your tag team partner in challenges, who would it be? While we're on the topic, I guess we got to go with Billy, right? That's a great. Billy, Billy fires me up, man. He jacks me up. He, I mean, we we'll probably crush everybody in bench press. I don't know if we, we'll beat anybody in pull ups, but I'll go with Billy. He fires me up like nobody else. So you think uh, Chris Ignari would be offended by this or fired? Yeah, listen, he's he's soft. He, he can't. He, you know, Matt Castellano will destroy destroy Chris. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What is one thing that you think that you brought to the culture of advanced training that no one else could bring? I, I think that fire, that that talking smack, you know, all in good fun, but definitely uh, the yelling and the and the we showed up mentality. Love it. I remember just people looking at us in uh, at, what was it called at that time? Atlas. I, they always thought you guys were going to fight each other, not knowing <laughs> you were all good friends. Yeah, that was a good I, I thought time. you guys were going to fight each other. I thought your brother Chris would get in a fist fight with you in the middle of his set of squats if he turned around looking <laughs> at you yelling at you. <laughs> Yeah, we tend to yell at each other a little bit. All right, last question. And this is a question I ask everybody because I'm obsessed with efficiency. What is one life lesson you can give me on how to simplify or remove clutter? Simplify or remove clutter. Let's see. And it doesn't have to be uh, weight room related. It, it could be anything. I would say maybe, oh, God, what, what just popped in my mind as a quick answer would be, you know, not being – being spontaneous maybe a little more and not, not having to plan things out, maybe not planning a workout, maybe just getting in the gym and just, just getting after it and don't not, not following a specific workout for that day. I don't know. I just, that, that just, I don't know if that makes sense, but maybe something like that. That just brought the, the fear of God into me, man. I don't think I've ever walked into a gym without a, <laughs> without a plan. Just go in there and just get busy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that would work for you, but I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if that makes sense totally, but yeah, maybe something like that. When I go on vacation, and now actually my wife, she never did this either, but now I, she's writing things down. When we go into a vacation hotel, completely map out the workout before we get there. In fact, minute one, we get to, a, like, say we go to Aruba or something like that. We go to the hotel gym. We walk it down, see what equipment they have, and then we go back and map out our workout for the week. Oh, that's great. But see, it's, it has its good side. I would be the opposite. I would just show up on a Tuesday morning and just, oh, look, there's a bench. All right, I'll bench a little. Oh, I'll do a couple curls. I feel like if I did that, I'd be like uh, Ace Ventura when he walked in. Ace Ventura too when he walked to that room with all the animals hanging on the wall. And he's yeah, like, ah, that yeah, you'd just be lost. You'd be like, "What am I doing here? What's the point?" <laughs> well, Joe, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for reconsidering telling your story. Uh, I think there's a lot of good messages. I hope there's some young kid out there who might be thinking about doing something dumb that now makes a better decision. And I, I'm just yes. so the man you become. I'm happy with the, the success stories of your kids too, man. Uh, just great talking to you. Thank you, Coach. You too. I love you, and it was great to get back to you. And, and any of the guys listening, I want to hear you. So I got I got a long drive to work every day and a long ride home, so get on it. You're still at work right now? You're going into to, to work? Yeah, we've been working through the through the whole pandemic and, and, the, and the riots and everything. I work in Manhattan as a splicer, so we I, I work overnights now since this thing started. So on the midnights when I get bored, I turn on the, uh, the Mahoney podcast. Well, man, stay safe for a hundred different reasons. Stay safe, especially as you're splicing wires. I love you, and I will talk to you soon.
Take care, coach. All right, Joe. Bye.